All right, Sergeant Billy Hinojos. Oh, wow. I wasn't, I wasn't going to come close to that. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> ever does. I, who knows how many times I butchered it when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, teachers along the way, too, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So um, you were in uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom. I was. Uh, you're retired now from the military. Pretty much, yeah. Purple Heart recipient, which is super cool. Not, a, I mean, there's not a ton of those guys out there. <laughs> not a lot, but uh, you were a medic in the army. I was in the army, right? Army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, did you play golf before that? Never. You know, I thought about it. Um, my wife is a avid golfer. She was actually a really good golfer. Had I played golf when I was younger, we probably wouldn't be together right now. She would have hated my guts. But uh, I, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I feel like I know your wife just as well as I know you because I get I walk with all the wives, you know, during the VGA events, and I've walked with your wife before following and watching you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what the one of the cool things, besides the Nationals, I mean, I know you guys are in hardcore competition in the Nationals, but today we're at Sabonic, and um, so this is one of the opportunities that the VGA brings to you guys to come out and play a place like this. It's it's unreal. Not almost magical. Walking into, I mean, just coming in for breakfast this morning <laughs> and seeing the course and then seeing the layout. Um, almost euphoric is the best word to use. I, I couldn't even believe we're on this type of property. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've, I've been coming here. I've come here a lot. Um, and I, I don't I don't really tell people. I mean, people ask me all the time. They'll say, uh, you know, is there anything you've seen like Bandon? And there's nothing on the East Coast that's like Bandon. And this is basically like Bandon. I mean, you have these huge coastal views. Um, most of the holes sit right on right on the uh, the Peconic Bay right here, and uh, it's one of those places where I'm a big fan of. Uh, the, the members and the owners should do what they want with the properties that they own, you know? Mm-hmm. So this is a private place, you know, and it's ultra exclusive, an impossible invite, but the golf community at large, because of that, doesn't get to see this, you know? <laughs> wow. Um, I, I would say we had some awesome conversations, uh, VGA players that are here to, uh, as we're just walking the property, um, uh, exactly what you're saying sometimes you hit some shots and then you know it's blind at first then you're all of a sudden it just opens up to views of the ocean uh the architects definitely had fun i mean yeah. i think jack was one of the, the architects yeah so it was jack nicholas and tom doke this is the only co-design they did and they're so opposite i don't know the owner here mr Piscucci, somehow got them to work together I'll, I'll never understand it. I mean, but beautiful, beautiful course. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really captures, I think, this area. Last night I came in to have dinner, and I was just, I forget what the place was called. I think it was called Roomba. But sitting down to eat, I was, instead of eating my awesome dinner, I'm over here looking at the views of the, of the bay, of, of where I'm at, and just couldn't believe, like, what Southampton has to offer. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough town to crack. I mean, it's a hard town to really see everything around because everything's so private out here. Um, it's not easy to get in and out of. I mean, there's one road that goes in and out of it. And um, there's no, the only good, the only good public course out here would be Montauk, probably, which is way, way out east. 
But I mean, you have Sabonic and the neighbors here are National, Shinnecock and Southampton, all unbelievable courses. So, um, you know, outside of this area, most people probably know about Shinnecock because it hosts the U.S. Open. Um, there's so many people, and this is a top 50 course in the country, and there's so many people that don't even know about it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it, 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 it's on all the lists, but because it's private, you know, there's just not... I wish they would. I wish there was a there was a way for them to host more events. Like they did hope to host the U.S. Uh, Women's Open in 2013, so people get to come and see it through that. But I feel like you you just have no clue what you're what you're about to walk into when you when you come up that driveway. You know, the driveway it looks like a regular road, and then there's a very nice entrance, but then you come zigzagging up the driveway, and you just. Even when you get to the clubhouse, you see it's like a nice, beautiful clubhouse. But then when you walk in and walk through and then you go out the back and then you see, you know, the, the, the grand view, it's like there, there's just nothing else like it. No, you know? not at all. <laughs> not at all. I've uh, I've had the honor to to come to some private courses, get to see, but nothing that sits on a property that overlooks a view like this. I mean, uh, sitting here having breakfast. Wow. Yes. So you're from you're from Texas. From Texas, middle of nowhere, West Texas at that. To see water and this is is something. Yeah, yeah. So um what's is it, would you put this down? I mean we played it today. This is your first time ever playing. Where would you where would you rank it in your personal favorite courses? Personal favorites right now. Um I'm gonna go uh we're a solid one right now. I enjoyed the <laughs> round. I mean, don't get me wrong, we had we had weather hitting but it gets in there with uh, with an around that's going to be memorable with me with the group that I was with, yeah, um, fellow veterans um, on top of Josh. I mean, I could have asked for a better better group. I mean, it's good whenever you get to play golf with a memorable um, what were we five some uh, share stories, talk, enjoy the round, and at the same time too, uh, just play a great course. Um, so for rounds that I've played, this is number one because of the group on top of a great venue, yeah. a layout that as, as we played, it just kept, oh, shoot, what am I to see next? And then uh, stories that we had to hear. I mean, you got to share some of your insight from places that you've, uh, or the, the, the things that you got to uh, had seen. I think one of the holes we were talking about, like, oh, does this kind of look like Pine Valley? Does this look like yeah. this? I mean, it's just awesome to kind of see and be like, oh, yeah, you're right. I can see. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you it, it just it's awesome. Yeah, so the greens here are wild. Um, they're dope greens, you know. Dope greens, um, Nicholas layout. I mean, the routing is great. The views are spectacular. Um but yeah, I I, uh, I always talk about this place as being in in my top also. Um, but you'd be surprised, man, how many people out there just never heard of it. <laughs> man, it, it, it'll be something I, I talk about a lot, especially when ranking courses. I think we and you were talking about a while ago. Um, the only thing I can put up to it, I'm gonna, I'm actually going to knock out um, the Bandon area coming up soon uh, in August this year or this coming year. Have um, you been there before? Never. So this will be. Jumping up with my uh, TPC San Antonio family that I travel with. Uh, we're going to head up to Bandon in, in August of next year. Um, you know, I've, I've gotten to play Pinehurst. I've played um, Pebble. So this would be, a, in my opinion, something I can kind of uh, put up to it. 
but See, I enjoy I this, this layout so much more. I put this way over Pebble. Uh, exactly. That's what me and you were talking about. <laughs> and people I, say, you know, people who haven't played this will say, well, it's not possible. Oh, so, so much more. But Pebble is public and it's easy to gain access mm-hmm. to. You know, I mean, the T-sheet, you got to fight the T-sheet yeah. and find a time. But it's it's doable where this, you know, it isn't so people don't see it. But I put this I mean, I, I like this way, way, way. I do too. Um, and then my my number one course before this was Chambers. Now Chambers is something I enjoy. The walk is fun. Uh, layouts are always fun. Um, and I think it's demanding like this one is too in its own nature. So, um, but man, this is green. This is it's just a different beast, and I enjoyed every bit of it today. Yeah, um, I have not played Chambers, but pebble you basically have to fly everything to the hole mm-hmm. you know this there's a million different ways to play this um if you if you dare to run the ball up i mean there's there's big swells that you can get caught in but you can do it and then depending on where the pin location is some some of these greens will feed right towards the pin and then some of them will feed away so even though you could run it up to the green on some of the holes if the pin's in the wrong spot you have to fly it you know on on, on any given day but um, yeah, yeah, man. For me, I put this up there. I put this up there also. Um, did you? Were for the? Were you in the VGA Finals for um, Baltusrol and playing? I together? was. I did have that awesome opportunity to play. That was actually my very first time even making it to nationals. Was getting to play Plainfield and Baltusrol, and both of those courses had their own flair. But this one has Plainfield type greens where you got to be careful where you put them. But a Baltus roll, um, like off the tee, don't put yourself um, in, you, you know, you got to be careful off the tee. Where Plainfield, you could just bomb it, hit it wherever you want. You're not really too worried. But the greens where the, the equalizer there. Here, it's both. You know, yeah. be careful off the tee. But then the green complex, too, you're thinking about it. Even whenever I first um, got my Straka line book, I'm looking at it and I'm like, Oh my goodness, look at the undulation on not only <laughs> the fairways, but look at the greens. I'm like, I've got some I've got an interesting test to to look at whenever we get up in here. I mean I like I like both those courses a lot too, Plainfield mm-hmm. and Baltusrol, but for me, I like this one. No oh, man, it, it's fun. <laughs> I mean, like I said, it, it was a test. For some of us, you know, of course we're younger than Josh, but um, you know, we're playing the back tees and hitting higher shots into greens, but it was fun getting to watch Josh play from one up, but hitting driver. Then he hit the three wood and he sticks the three wood to like three inches for a tap in birdie, <laughs> but it was a different type of shot. I mean, it's, it's awesome to see that you can hit different. I mean, it's, it's a course that anybody can play. When did you start playing golf? Not long after getting out of the military. It, it was uh, during the time I was dating my wife. She played golf. Yes, she's always played, her and her family. Um, so it was my way of connecting with my wife's family. Uh, so I took it up probably in 2012. So I haven't been playing too, too long. But You've already played some great courses. Oh, man, I've knocked out some great courses <laughs> and um, got good quick. It was weird. Um, I think I remember my first uh, time playing with my wife's family um i'm shooting like high 120s and realizing like oh i can hit the ball a long way but i can't keep it in play and then my wife shoots like a 78 my father-in-law shoots like a low 70 if not one or two under oh wow and then my mother-in-law um probably a low 80 and i 
couldn't even keep on the course. <laughs> and then that next week, I'm joining a golf course or a golf club and just got hooked after that. So you go to the range a lot? I do. I used to. I mean, now that we moved out to the middle of nowhere, I built a bay. And so I just grind hitting golf balls into a simulator now. Um, do you think that being in the military uh, gave you some discipline background in order to get better faster in golf? You know, I was a good athlete prior to, but the military gave me the reason to want to practice, want to, because before then, you know, a lot of us that we say we're, we're athletic and stuff, you know, we didn't really try that hard. We let our God-given ability take over and let it be. That's probably why we were good athletes, but didn't go into college or anything. Whereas once we get instilled those great, um, that discipline, that, um, that good um, work ethic, why some of us end up taking up golf and, you know, thriving, or if not, just becoming range rats and just stay on that, stay on that range as much as we can to, to just get that drive to keep playing golf. Yeah, it kind of becomes an obsession after a while. Oh, such an obsession. I mean, I, mean, I think that's why, I think VGA, we just cracked, what, 20,000 members recently? Yeah. You I think that's the reason why this, this, this organization is, is thriving. At the same time, too, it is, it is a pastime that... You know, I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to call veterans OCD-ish, but I think because of how we're drilled, how we we do things, we do. We get that OCD type nature where we want to be kind of perfectionist. If not, find a, find a sport or find something, an activity. We just want to keep doing, and and it it just instill like that work ethic, that drive, and golf happens to be it. So how soon did you find the VGA after you started playing? It was a wise, it was pretty much, it was, well, what are we in now? 2023, I would say only about four years ago. It was okay. right around COVID time. Is when you found the VGA? I did, yeah. And um, I was pretty dark for, for many years. So um, golf was my way of kind of finding my way back into myself. So if you don't mind um, talking about it, what were your injuries? I mean, I read yeah. you had a traumatic brain injury. So I was um, in multiple IED explosions, but my big one happened in like, I think it was July 5th, 2005. I'd always have to look on that certificate that I got it in. But uh, um, it was it was like all of us. It was just v various um, shrapnel wounds. I broke some ribs, separated shoulder took some metal into my left cheek, um, things that I could heal from. But um, the biggest one, and they're not coming right off the bat, is a lot of soldiers are having concussions. And at, during our time, we weren't even diagnosing those things. So it was, especially as a medic, like, hey, Doc's in here again. It's like, guys, I can't hear. You know, I'm dizzy. Uh, I was knocked out for, you know, 15, 20 seconds. I have no clue what happened. Yeah, obvious concussion. Exactly. But we're not even writing it down. We're not taking notes. We're not doing anything. And I probably had quite a few of those after after getting my bell rung a few times. So, yeah, the problem is you get it once, and then it's you're, you're able to get it Exactly. So for a while, before. you know, things were going undiagnosed. But that very first one that I was talking about, you know, we didn't talk about the concussion. We probably didn't even write it down, annotate it. Um, but I started noticing... I didn't at that time notice until a little bit later, but I was starting to go through some violent mood swings whenever I came back from that particular, after I healed up and stuff, I was getting into some fights. So I was starting to already start seeing some P 
PTSD, some TBI-ish type things, even after that first um, IED explosion and when I had got my Purple Heart. But, you know, it's just continue mission, keep going on. You know, I ended up going on another um, deployment whenever I came back. I was actually stop loss and same thing. More IEDs that either my vehicle was, was hit or I was exposed to the blast, mortars coming in, just different stuff. So more concussions, more stuff, so more head trauma. So um, given that, um, I, I suffered pretty good head injury, and that's probably my biggest injury now, uh, besides everything else has healed quite well. You know, you know, shrapnel wounds, all that stuff healed quite well that I took, in, especially my left leg um, and lower back. But um, that head injury, that, that was the blind one that I didn't see coming. And that one hit me hard when I got out of the military. Um, and in 2012 was my darkest year. Ugh. Yeah, well, what amazes me is that you guys, you know, I, I keep hearing the story of these, these guys that get injured pretty severely, and then they sign up and go back. Yeah. To me, that's just like... And see, for me, like... Um, was that an easy decision to go back? Oh, I mean, it's never anything we even think about. I mean, you just when think- I got told I was stop-lost, it was... You know, you're voluntold. So we we do it. A lot of us, a lot of us had to see a lot of our guys. Um, you never call anybody out. You know, the thing is, it's hard to look anybody in the in the eye after, especially after even after my first IED. It took. It was a big gut check to to look at myself and be like, dude, I got to go back out there after that. Like, you know, just had had everything go down and understand that life's precious. Life's this. Life's that. Uh, you know, it's just a gut checks, but you mean got to be there for your guys. Um, so you go back for your guys. You do always. You always go back for your guys, especially um, while while I was out and uh, kind of, I, I guess what you call it, was just recovering from my injuries. I actually lost uh, my when platoon sergeant got killed while I was not the medic, and uh, that hurt. Knowing that, could I have done anything? Who knows? But still, I mean. Ended up losing some of my guys, and I wasn't the medic there. That is that that's one of the hardest things that ever that ever hits us. So, so that's why you want to go back as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, I I treated over. I think on my on my bio I gave you. I think it, I'm credited for over a hundred uh, casualties that I probably had hands on uh, treatment of U.S. soldiers, and who knows how many Iraqis I, I treated while I was in the military. Oh, that's right, because you just treat treat. Um, oh yeah. Iraqi partners. Yeah, anytime also. they would try even like VBIT IEDs that would hit us when we were on patrol, um, going through Baghdad markets or anything like that, I would sometimes have a mascal of, you know, 15, 20 Ugh. Iraqis. And, you know, I'd, it would just be a chaotic scene trying to do my best to, to, to do what I could. Working with multiple people at the same time, too. Mm-hmm. Working on multiple people at the same time. Oh, yeah. And then triaging. I mean, first and foremost, you got to triage and go from there. Or I remember my very first uh, incident with the MassCal was a IED uh, that, or a vehicle-borne IED that hit a, um, uh, what do you call those things? Um, Iraqi checkpoint. And it was just outside of our FOB. And I was one of the first medics on scene. That was such a chaotic scene. Baby medic learning how to just take care of a, 20, 20, 20 person or, or so mass cow and just get going. Yeah. And then, I mean, how do you pick between people? You don't, I mean, you just, you go by your training, you triage, you gotta, you go from 
from severe surgical people that can actually be saved with surgery surgery and send them off and then go down go down the list go down the line yeah crazy you have to have you have to have well you have to have everything for that. you have to have patience you have to have the ability to you have to have patience too because not only that uh you know you we we, we teach our other infantry guys everything to you know cls and those guys want to jump on patients as soon as you can so they're wondering like doc why aren't you working on this guy i'm like check his pulse you may not have a pulse it's not that we don't have we're not we're not passionate for everybody but we have to triage so there was a lot of too of trying to work with people like teaching them why and how we work and uh not to you know completely lose our supplies and something like that too yeah so your training is probably set up so that you can save the most amount of lives within a certain amount of time and in order to do that i mean there's a lot of decisions oh yeah that have to be made as to you know to move on from somebody or because if you put too much time into one patient then you have two or three other patients on oh, the yeah. side. I, I mean i had to learn quickly on how to pack a bag and learn how to how a bag is packed that'll work for the next mission and and beyond i mean i remember i like i said i'm i'm talking as an inexperienced baby medic i remember the how nice and clean my aid bag used to look and this and this and had my first casualty and then before i knew it i had a second casualty on on what we thought would be a routine mission and this beautiful aid bag i had was not properly stocked and i was not ready for this second casualty but because of that we you know you learn which uh which um you know that's how we learned how to do those little why our soldiers ended up starting to carry those little small little combat little packs on them with that we would have either a tourniquet or curl x or something just that we you know extra stuff that we need we started learning and adapting on why we needed to carry more stuff because you know doc can only carry so much so it was 2000 or 2012 then you you were in bad bad shape yeah uh like physically and mentally or just physically mentally? and mentally uh physically i had let myself go because um body was starting to deteriorate and uh I was just putting on a lot of weight. Um, mentally, I was so depressed, so um, bogged out, so angry at the world, angry at being a veteran. I, I stopped telling people I was a vet. Really? I was. Hated my time in service. Uh, it was dark, very dark. And then um, right around that time, too, me and my wife had just got married. Was it was it over regret? or It was. A lot of it was over regret, and a lot of it was over neglect. You know, I, had a, I dealt with a lot of death. Um, dealt with a lot of uh suicide i had a few guys commit suicide while i was in theater uh three guys that were in my platoon um now as a medic are you responsible for um also helping helping other people in your platoon who are suicidal i mean we are i mean the bad thing is so uh, you're a psychiatrist along with being a you know, as a medic. line medic, yes, um, but some of them are, are as quick as can be that you don't even know that this guy might be going through it. It is like one of my stories, which I don't talk about this guy enough. His last name was Langenbrunner, and great kid. Love him to death. Um, wish I knew more about his situation and what he had, but, um, you know, we were out on mission, and we'd been out for way too long. Um, it was coming close to the end of the night. And curfew was just about to let up, and a vehicle was coming at our tanks at uh, 
high, at a high speed. So because of that, our rules of engagement did say vehicles coming out of our tank at uh, high speed, you engage. He did. Um, but during all that, there was a lot of confusion. I was asleep. Uh, the guys in our tank were asleep, which sounds wrong, but I mean, we'd been out for too long curfew coming up sun was just barely coming up all we know is we hear the you know the bang 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 couldn't tell if it was uh the iraqi national guard or our you know other tank shooting but radio comes up hey we need doc so obviously i'm getting ready uh trying to hear everything that's going on down all i hear is a iraqi national guard shot up a vehicle that was coming at the tanks we have casualties. All right. So, you know, I assess the situation. Hey, I need one. I need the other loader because as a, in tanks, there's what, what it's me, uh, platoon sergeant and the guy that drives the tank. So as a medic, you turn into a loader as well. So you got to learn how to double duty on tanks. There's only six people out there. So um, I was like, hey, I need the other loader to be ready to come pull security for me while I triage, find out what's going on and go from there. So we load up, get there, and um, as I'm assessing the situation, checking out the patients, I'm looking at this uh, 18-year-old kid, and I'm looking at him, and I'm like, man, something's off. So I'm noticing that he was a very light-complected person in general, but he was white, like as if Casper the Ghost just showed up, and he just didn't know what was going on. So I could tell something was up. So as I'm treating the patients and and kind of looking and he asked me a question like um are they are they going to be okay and you know i gave him trying to give him my reassurance like hey i'm a really good medic do everything i can but once i once the ambulance comes in they're out of my control so patch them up send them up but that's when i get it and we load back up onto the tanks find out that we're about to get relieved um I talked to my platoon or my uh, NCO that's in my vehicle, which for some reason at that time wasn't the platoon sergeant, um, and told me, I need you to find out what's going on. It was not um, AK rounds, so something was called up wrong. And that's when we end up, as we're heading back to base, we find out it was the loader, the guy that was taking my, or covering my six, that he was the one that actually shot but rules of engagement were were clear i mean it was still curfew he was in the right but the way everything went down that platoon sergeant's mad at himself he's mad that he was asleep as well and he called up the wrong thing in the whole you know adrenaline kicks in everything's going up you feel like you have to tell everybody what's going on called up base boom but it should have been handled more professionally yeah and it wasn't so long story short, though, I, as the medic, have to take this kid and tell him, hey, look, come with me. We're going to go grab something to eat. Let them handle their stuff. Me and you needed to have a talk. So I took him. We're assessing the situation. I'm calming him down, trying to figure out what's going on, finally get him to admit that it was him and what he did. And just went through, talked to me, rules of engagement, what went on. Everything was right. He did everything right. He saved our lives. Get back after the chow hall, tell them to go shower up, start talking to the platoon sergeants, everything's at the moment, it's fine. They, they, I feel like they've gotten everything going, me and him meet. I go up because I got a shower because I'm about to go back out on mission. So as I go go back down, he's, this kid is uh, back in the shower, everybody's praising him. Feels good, 
good moment. Uh, he takes off before I do. I'm making my way up. But as I'm making my way up, this uh, NCO is just drilling in on him. Like, you messed up. You did the wrong thing. Are you sure you followed the rules of engagement? Just completely is breaking this kid's ego. Um, I wish I would have stepped in. I just didn't. I knew I had to go back out that this group was about to stay back in. So I, I selfishly go and lay back down and was closing my eyes. I feel like only like 30 seconds had passed by. And next thing I know, I hear a gunshot. And I know what had gone Ugh. on. He killed himself. He killed himself. It's just, it's just you just never know the pressures of war, what, what can go on. I mean, taking a life is rough. I mean, that is something that a lot of people uh, battle. I battle that. Um, that is one of the... Uh, biggest things even with me that's still uh, you know i think it's a new thing that uh um will be discussed later as i think things progress like moral injury i think we all get it and don't understand that you know somebody taking a life is it it hurts yeah you know does it probably doesn't ever get any easier no, either never see some people think like the more they have to do it or the more they're in combat it they they get um you know, like does. immune to it, yeah. but I, I just don't see it. I know I've talked to, I just recently went through warrior path. Uh, man, it was so good for me. It was a seven day mental retreat put on by an organization. I think it's, uh, it started by Boulder crest foundation, but I went through, uh, through it with sheepdog and it, it, it was exactly what I needed. I did it a few weeks or a few months ago, a 90 day program, uh, but seven days of actual classroom working with other first responders and, and, uh, warriors slash, uh, military personnel. And, uh, it was good. It, 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 it was written by like the Hanoi Hilton, uh, survivors. Oh, wow. Telling me. So, I mean, it was, it was things I needed to hear. It was time for me to finally, uh, cause I've been, mourning still the deaths of everybody because you know we we lose a soldier they get sent home or their their they their their bodies get sent home we really don't get to mourn that death yeah because you're on to the next one exactly so for me i just never close the door for a lot of those so for me um we got to do something called a a labyrinth which was awesome because it helped me um kind of honor finally put them to rest and feel like I can move forward and honor the fallen. Now, there's some, though, that if they go, if they move on to surgery, you don't even ever know if they make no. it or not. No, uh, we had one guy that I ended finding out later on after he went to surgery in Germany. Um, I think he had one or two strokes and um, a few other things. And I've got to see him now, um, you know, thanks to Facebook and everything. Uh, so they reach out to you? Eventually, yeah. And that's that's another beast, too, eventually, when you start hearing about some people that you've saved and uh how they're doing well that has to be a great feeling right nah gives or takes yeah it depends on how well or how not well they're doing exactly sometimes you get uh great things um ran into a friend uh randomly at a titans cowboys game because i'm a big cowboys fan he was a huge titans game and it felt like the best thing in the world the dude was oh this is doc this is the man. I love him. Blah, <laughs> this blah, is the blah, guy blah, that blah. saved me. I love the guy. His name was Mike Rios, one of my best friends. And then he was even talking about the VGA. He was like, hey, I see that you're playing the VGA all the time. I think I want to do it, and I should try it out someday. And I was like, anytime you're ready, there's a chapter in California. Get on it, man. You're going to love it. 
Um, but then same time too, you know, um, I got guys who are amputees that are still not, their quality of life still isn't great. Yeah. And then you talk to them or see them or even some of my mortars who are not, not even just mortars, but some of my guys that are dealing with the demon of PTSD and, uh, TBI that are undiagnosed still and don't want to go get diagnosed because they just don't want to be another number or don't believe that they have it. Um, they don't want to go through the process of help either. Exactly. Probably. Like they, they just, just want to be left alone, but they don't realize being left alone. Maybe they're just doing more damage to themselves. Exactly. So, and some are prideful. I've got another guy right now that finally, after years came up to me and was like, I finally have decided to go get help. And I was so happy. It was good to see it. And, uh, it is, it's just, it's, it's a different beast. Cause a lot of us, you know, soldiers in general are prideful. So, um, so even if the government doesn't offer like the best help, the, the little help they do offer, some guys just won't even take anything. Exactly. Yeah. That's not good. I mean, it took me to step on my dog and throw my dog into a wall to finally break down and realize that I needed help. That you have a problem. It was, it was, it was me stepping on my dog and hurting my dog. This is what finally made me realize I had to go get help. And that was what year, 2000? That was that 2012 year. 2012. Yeah. And then even for a few years, uh, I mean, the bad thing is then you you're, you're an ex- you almost feel like you're an experiment. Don't get me wrong. Um, that's probably the wrong word to use. But then you're, you're in the hands of, of therapists for a while, um, experimenting with drugs, trying to figure out what the cocktail is going to be to help you out. And normally it's none of them, right? Exactly. And that's why I say it's almost an experiment because... Um, I didn't necessarily try to take my life, but I did. So um, I had a really bad day. um, And before I know it, I'm like two bottles of makers down. And if it wasn't for um, my wife kind of intervening, I probably would have put a third and and just drank myself to death. Yeah, Um, And it was just finally the day that everything had just came tumbling down memorial weekend like, were you taking pills at the time too i was i was taking uh the pills that they had us on and i was just massively depressed i was thinking about a good friend of mine who uh um was killed in iraq because he uh, memorial weekend is really hard for me because he uh, i got to see him right before he got uh killed in iraq um but uh he was born probably gonna mess it up but he was born may 25th um, his daughter was born May 24th and he died May 23rd. Ugh. And I had seen him like two days prior to that. And when all that went down, he was one of those guys that was also stop loss like me. I went through basic training with him. I went through AIT with him. I mean, we, we, we went, we did everything together somehow. We went through, through thick and thin. I credit that guy for getting me out of my shell, turning me into the person I am. Uh, just a good friend a guy that you find seldom in your life and then it's just something else actually this year was my first time visiting his gravesite in years i mean i i just finally decided that this was going to be my year that i finally did it and it hurt but it's probably a huge milestone it was it was i lucked out that uh had a friend of mine that knew him very well decided to come up. Um, she has went together. Yeah, it was so good, and then we shared great stories because uh, we, you know, his name was Winterbottom, but I call him Summertop. <laughs> uh, so it was good to 
for us to share those stories, kind of hear more about him, uh, hear about his daughter, and uh, and just just reminisce. And it was it was awesome to share stories like that. And uh, need I needed that, but you know it's different things like that. But I had never told my wife about him that much, and it was that incident. And then I even started talking to her when I almost you know took my life with all those meds and alcohol um and her to finally realize that i need to start laying her in on all that so yeah do you drink now i actually am now five months sober oh wow yeah just recently finally decided so you don't drink at all not at all um i was um drinking honestly i started noticing i needed to cut down after the last nationals with the vga um I um, think I should have won that one too, but I was a little too intoxicated to, to compete. So that was kind of my first time realizing, you know what? And what's the best way of figuring out when you have people that you trust that actually don't know you, but can call you out on your stuff. So I actually had somebody I knew from a previous um, national and he had said, you may want to consider thinking about your drinking. And, you know, he was being nice. He was being considered and i valued his opinion for that and i appreciated it so you so, quit drinking not after then. that i took still but it was good to hear it. did you quit drinking on your own or did you i get- did it took a while though um i kept even as i kept going like this past year has been a journey but i was starting to really catch myself drinking harder 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 but i just recently went back to the va for more help and um sadly they put me on more more meds but i needed them because i i really Thanks to this and the wonderful head injury, I suffer from migraines like crazy. So they put me on toparamate, but I didn't get explained how toparamate affects me or affects people in general. One of the big side effects is you don't really get buzzed or have any kind of feelings with alcohol. So I was drinking ridiculous amounts of alcohol oh. and not feeling and then getting absolutely just plastered. And so I didn't realize that. So I was just I was just abusing myself bad. And it took in April I finally had that moment where I was like I'm done. Like I and then somebody explained to me outside of the VA that toparamate actually does this to you and that's why you're drinking so much. And then So there was no downward trajectory. You just stopped cold turkey. I just stopped cold turkey. Finally it was one day I was like, "Oh, well, actually I yelled at my wife." And that's what did it. I've never I don't do that and i finally did it and i don't remember doing it and we and her had like three days where we don't talk to we weren't she wasn't talking to me and i was about to go on a guy's golf trip and i'm like okay before i left she just broke down crying i'm like okay what did i do and she told me and i was like oh my goodness and that left on the guy's golf trip and we i apologized first but then i left during the guy's golf trip i got blitz drunk and then on that last day i was like that's it and i haven't touched alcohol since wow congrats man i mean there's it's i think it's really hard there there's probably a lot of things you would say that you're not lucky with but to have the discipline to quit on your own i don't think there's many people that can do that i just i I mean i just finally needed to see it and honestly i feel great um i'm noticing from people i talk to i just seem happier again um i can tell on my body i don't seem so bloated uh, <laughs> so it's been fun I'm, i miss it i mean i can tell i miss alcohol i miss bourbon and you name it i miss it so 
but it's been good. I've been finding myself. Um, do you think you'll ever drink again or no? I do. I do. Um, but you'll decide when. I'll decide whenever I'm I'm ready for it. To, to drink without drinking mm-hmm. too much. That's exactly. the that's the hard part. That's the hard part. I mean, it's just finding moderation. I mean, anything you can in, you, if you can find life and and do it in moderation, that's fine. But I just was not doing it in moderation anymore. Well, if you can go to the nationals for VGA and not drink, I mean, you got some serious willpower. You have got some serious willpower. <laughs> some, there's some good parties. <laughs> nah, we we have fun, don't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. <laughs> um, so. When you're when you're when you're in real bad shape in 2012, when did you start playing golf around around then? So that's when I kind of started really taking it taking it in. Um, I joined a golf course in Austin, Texas, and uh, met some really good people there. Uh, Brad Nadal was a good friend of mine, kind of mentor ish, um, and it was good for me. He was somebody I needed because I've never actually I've never had. Uh, a father figure in my life. So I was raised by my great grandparents. Uh, my great grandfather passed away when I was young. So I've kind of, I've always been the kind of the father figure, even at a young age. So, um, you have siblings. I do, but we were all taken away and put into foster care. So it, I have an interesting, interesting childhood. So because of that, it's always just kind of been me. Um, you talk to your siblings now? Uh, not really. Uh, it's kind of hard. I mean, uh, my youngest brother and sister were raised, um, in a different type of religion. Um, it's an interesting story, but they're doing really good when we do talk. Um, that's great. My middle brother was actually stabbed in the womb. So he has, um, kind of some, what's the right term? Mental disabilities. Um, so he's, he's, he's hard to talk to and he's, um, He's in an interesting state and then and lives in El Paso, Texas. Um, but I've I don't, like, even this year, I don't think I've even had the opportunity to see him. So oh, wow. and then my sister just below me, she suffers from alcohol abuse um, and other stuff. And that's kind of how, another reason why I knew I could kind of taper from alcoholism. You think it's genetic? It all? is for sure. Because even my youngest sister, who has never been exposed to alcohol, um in her in her religion was you know they kind of get a chance to venture out and drink she did and then what called me out of, I, I actually don't even know what the correct term is i thought at first they were amish but i guess that's wrong but um she kind of ventured out and calls me out of the blue like hey when i drink i become the life of the party and i was like oh yeah we're alcoholics sorry me too <laughs> yeah exactly and she's like oh okay well i'm gonna stop drinking then and find god again did she did she quit? She, she just quit like that. She drank maybe for maybe two months and that and that was it. Yeah, same way you did then. Yeah. So that's um yeah, I mean I maybe maybe being able to stop like that is genetic too. Yeah. So I mean me and her are very similar. Very even though we were not uh we were we did not grow up next to each other or anything, it's crazy how much me and her are like. Does anybody else dads. play golf in the family? Uh she's taking it up for me. So she's definitely trying. She wants to get her children to to, to play like me, and uh, uh, her and her um, husband, and I think he, and his and the pastor play along together. So they they're getting it going. Oh, cool! Yeah. So did you ever when you when you were going through this? Did you play by yourself a lot? I did for the most part. I did, um, but as soon as I got a handicap, I was 
playing some types of competitive games. So, so you'd I, rather play socially and competitively I would. than I would. play by yourself? I would every time. Yeah. I hate playing golf by myself. Really? I do. I didn't know if maybe it was a therapeutic thing to play by yourself. Not at all. No. Therapeutic is playing competitive golf, uh, whether it is in VGA uh, or I play Golf Week and I play a few other ones. But if, if I have a choice, I want to play some kind of competitive golf. Yeah. So you're in the Purple Heart division mm-hmm. for the VGA. I've been following you for a few years. Um, this year you were in Mississippi. Did you go to Doral last year? I did. So, and then you also qualified for Baltimore and Plainfield. I did. Did you qualify for the Olympic Club too? No, that was I wasn't playing at that time. Okay. Well, that was that was the I think that was the year prior before COVID year. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't playing in VGA just yet. Okay. So you, then, so then you found the VGA mm-hmm. and have been making nationals yeah ever since i found vga i've made it to nationals luckily nationals is hard to get to these it is it is but it is such a great opportunity when you get a chance to get there i mean with twenty thousand members it just gets harder every year too i keep telling that is the only good thing about being a purple heart (laughs) oh because purple heart division's easier it is a little bit easier yes we got a little bit less of us so um, well i mean we played today with um chris gatko mm -hmm. he's a stick stick Fun watch. I mean, actually, almost every single one of those guys in that—they're they, all A-flighters. Yeah. I mean, legit A-flighters, and but Chris sticks. has been knocking on the door yes. every year. He always. I think I every time I get to watch, he's he's creeping on that final group. Yeah, every year. He every is. year. I mean, last year at Doral, I thought for sure he was going to win. Well, I think we all did. Yeah. And uh, this year, I guess he was in the group behind. Mm-hmm. But still, he's a solid player, man. I'm, I, I'm I enjoy always, watching them. I, I was kind of listening in on some of the shots that they were trying to hit and get in there, and I'm just like, "Ooh, I wish I could hit some of those shots." Yeah, yeah, he's got shot. He's got some. He's got some shots, especially off the tee. I noticed today mm. uh, to come into a place like like Sabonic and hit some of those shots, and he's never played the course before. Pretty wild. It is. It is. It's good to see. It's fun. Yeah. So. Um, when you're when you're playing um, when you're playing in the VGA, do you like do you play with the same people often in the I, Purple Heart Division? It's pretty it's because the Purple Heart Division is much smaller. It's like a small niche division in in the VGA. It is so we really don't get to play with other Purple Hearts up until we get into regionals. But I do. I mean, I, uh, Derek Four is a guy I get to play with a lot. Um, I got to play with a double amputee this year that I had never met. The guy is a stick. Uh, his name is Matt. I'm going to mess up his last name. It's either Spawn or Spang. Dude was awesome. I was very impressed with his ball striking. Uh, it was awesome to see. I, he's going to be a v, he's gonna be a wounded vet, a winner next year. You think so? I do. I actually do. Um, but if it's not next year, his time's coming. Well, you won one year, didn't you? I won this year. This year. This was my year this year. Uh, I've been knocking on the door the last two years. Finally got it this year, but uh, I if I make it to nationals next year, I'm gonna try that A. I wanna I wanna compete for that red jacket. Oh wow! Yeah. So you're gonna go outside the purple. I'm hard gonna division. go outside the purple heart division <laughs> and try. I may try to make my way and get there with the wounded A uh, flight, but if I make it to nationals in the wounded A, I'm gonna move up to. Now, once you qualify for nationals, if you're in Wounded A, can you just claim that you want to be in regular? We can. Oh, cool. So that's an awesome perk, and I'm really happy Josh has left that in for us to 
to do. Because, uh, I mean, a lot of us are, we're knocking on the door to be uh, competitive in the A flight. I mean, uh, we've got a few guys, I'm pretty sure previous years, uh, I think uh, the big winner has come from uh, the, the Purple Heart flight. So uh, I think that's awesome. And this was our first year that we were moved up uh, a tee box. But I, mean, well, I keep up with almost 90% of the people I tee off with from any tee box. Yeah, I mean, you could play back there with those guys, I mm-hmm. feel like. what it's, Today, you guys all played from the same We tees. all played the same tee box, and usually I'm right there with them. Yeah. I mean, some, some of them, they hit the ball. Like, Chris slaughters the ball. Slaughters it. So, But that's, that's where course management comes in. So, I mean, for somebody like me, if I decide to challenge myself, which would be a, a heck of a challenge playing with some of these guys, <laughs> I'm just going to have to use course management and, and get up in there. And that's what I love about golf. I mean, that's what I love about the VGA and what it does. It, it allows us to, to compete, think, and, uh, and enjoy it. Yeah, there's a million different ways to get to the hole. Exactly. You know, um, you don't always have to go there, driver wedge like, like some of these mm-hmm. guys do. <laughs> so it, 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 lets us, it lets us really think, test, and, uh, and enjoy the game. So would you um, – how, how much of the VGA has helped you recover through all this? You, you know, like? honestly, a lot. Um, I credit the VGA for 80, at least 80% of, of my recovery, especially recently. I mean, becoming a leader was huge. I mean, it has helped me build confidence in myself. You're a state – state leader right? i'm a state assistant leader um i have uh west texas as okay. my region but i mean think of think of what i've been probably hurting from i'm a P, uh, ptsd tbi guy that was completely doubting my ability to work to um perform tasks to do anything i become a, an assistant leader you know if, if for, in, in all honesty i thought i was gonna fail but instead, I'm calling Why? GMs. It's just hard. You, you you haven't worked in years. You haven't done anything. Um, you're just not sure what to do. But all of a sudden, you get the opportunity to at least be an assistant. And, I mean, they don't give you a handbook of how to do it. And so it's just really, hey, good luck. We trust you. You know, don't make promises you can't keep. Get at it. But honestly, you're, you're dealing with GMs from courses. You're dealing with um, with the head pros. And you're putting on golf tournaments all by yourself. Yeah. How many golf tournaments do you put on in a year? I'm at – well, I I have a very big region, but West Texas is really hard to get get into right now. So I've only done six tournaments so far for this past year. It was my first year. Um, What do you think you'll do next year? I'm hoping to bump the number up to 10. You know, I'm trying to keep it realistic. Um, But 10 is is my goal this this coming year. I've already got two under my belt for our – our new year we did our texas did their first 36 hole event and it was successful um and enjoyed it but it's awesome i'm getting to see and build confidence in myself um realizing that because when i first came out i had like a, a slight speech impediment and i'm noticing i'm talking better yeah i don't i would have never guessed that I, I mean, it, it, i'm telling you it, it's um definitely doing a lot better thanks to the vga and in trust immediately even to be a leader yeah so how many players you got oh texas is huge i don't even know what our number is we might be pushing 800 close to a thousand in texas alone um my events in west texas are only 
getting up to 30 to 40 players at my events, but DFW, we're selling out close to 80 to 100 players per event. So we're, we're killing it up in that area. I'm very proud of our Texas leadership. Um, and that's another good thing, too. VGA brings in quality, quality leaders. I mean, it starts at the top. I mean, we got Josh. He's helping us out. Uh, then you go to our, our regional leaders with Robert, who has us in Central. But every single person that we've got instilled in the area and the organization helps out. I mean, it's not like, okay, hey, here you go, guys. Now you're on your own. I mean, Ray Griffiths in, in the state of Texas is killing it. I mean, the dude is putting on a good cast and is there for help. I mean, it's true what the military is. He, he brings in those same values into our leadership. So it's not like we ever feel like we're on our own as well. You know what's crazy going back to um, mental health and suicide? It's crazy that the VGA has 20,000 members and not one suicide. It's not crazy when you really think about it because I've seen firsthand Josh answer the phone and talk to a veteran dealing with suicide. And it's awesome that your main guy will do that. Yeah. And, and it, to me, I was not only impressed, but you hear about other organizations talk about this as well. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. But they're still doing through call centers or something. But to have our, our main guy. available 24-7. 24-7. He <laughs> <It> really is. <laughs> and, and to field the call. I mean, Joan sometimes will, will, will do him as well. I mean, Joan is, she is. She's Joan. She is. Yeah, she's great. She's great. And then she, I was there the day, then she patched over the call. Josh is like, not at all. I got it right now. Not Please, let me call. Handles it. It's just to, just assuring the veteran, like, I am here for you. As, long, as, as much as you need me, and you can call me tomorrow, and you can call me the next day. You just make sure you have my number, but here are other numbers. I mean, and he's ready not only for giving him his number, but the number to the suicide hotline, to the VA, or anybody you need help. And it's nice to know that. And that's what I do at my, my events. Like, my, my message at my events isn't just, hey, we're here to play golf, guys. Let's go have a good time. It's, hey, guys, remember camaraderie first. Know the guys to your left and right. Know their story. Enjoy yourselves. If you've come here with a chip on your shoulder and need a little bit of help, talk to any of us. If you need help, talk to us. We're here for you. VA, or VA, my bad. VGA is more than just uh, competitive golf. It is more than just that. We're a brotherhood. Allow that brotherhood to love, to be there for you, and understand that you're in a safe spot and just have a good time. Yeah, all the the credit that you guys get are is for golf related things, putting on these amazing events, you know, doing stuff like we did today, you know, unbelievable golf opportunities, but um that stuff goes unnoticed unfortunately, but for to 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 have a, a you know, a group of people in leadership that are willing to pick up the phone to anybody that calls. I guess you're right. Then it's not so crazy that you don't have a, su- a suicide. But you know the the, the retired vets or, or the vets that come home from combat, their their the suicide rates are way too high. Oh yeah, I think we're up to. F- I'm with my unit alone. We have recently passed 
the amount of soldiers that we lost in Iraq to suicide. It's it's past that number now. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. How do you fix that? Yeah, it's exactly what we're doing now. It's finding ways for others to come either open up, find activities to do, um, talk, just talk. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a weird beast. For me, when I went into my shell, that was not good. I mean, that was probably the worst thing I could have did. I'm a very open person. I'm somebody who wants to talk, that wants to open up, that wants to love one another. And instead, I went into a shell and just became you know, an ugly, um, I mean, I love the military. I enjoyed everything it had to offer for me. And instead I was not wanting to even consider myself a veteran. And it, it's interesting. Do you have the ability to, to see in others that might be in the same place that you were? You know, I, I, I do. Um, but it comes from me having to talk to them. It's not like I can just, you know, look and see, I mean, it does take, uh, me talking and feeling somebody out in order to get there. And that's that's actually why I wanted to become a leader and why I wanted to do this and, and, and put on these events because that's the only way we're going to be able to be, find more people that might be going through things. Yeah, so if you start building a relationship with these players that are playing in your um, events, maybe you can save one of them. And I, I already have fielded a few calls. So, have I mean, you really? It, it is, it is. So, I mean, the VGA works when it comes to helping soldiers um, dealing with things. So that is one, one thing I love. I'm in and I'll continue to be a leader as long as I can. Yeah. That's why I, I, I just love supporting the VGA because mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, you guys are doing amazing things for people and you know, and I've, now that I've been helping out for a few years, talking to these guys, um, when they say stuff like, I've, I've had guys look me dead in the eye and say, I would do anything for the VGA. Mm -hmm. And you know they're being dead serious. And oh, it's yeah. like, wow, you know? And sometimes you think like, you realize when they say stuff like that, like, this isn't just a golf league, you know? This is a whole lot more than a golf league to everybody that's here. Because when I first started, you know, I actually met Josh through a mutual friend. Mm -hmm. uh, a mutual friend had us both to a member guest. And Josh is pretty social. So <laughs> he's very social. I, I left, I left a, uh, like an eight person golf trip where I, I'd, I only knew my friend who invited me, but he invited all, all of us and who were all friends from different areas, you know? So we didn't know each other, but you go on a golf trip with Josh for, I think it was three days. You leave being Josh's friend. You know? it, it's, it's amazing. I actually, the first time I met Josh, I was a little intimidated. I was, I met him at, you know, nationals and I'm like, man, this guy's not going to ever say hi to me again. Man, I left with his phone number. I left with this. I left with that. I think he was texting me shortly after that. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, when we left, when I left that member guest, I mean, I drive everywhere, and then it was like five hours away from my house, but it was like an hour into my drive home, and Josh is texting me. It's, it's hilarious. I mean, he he's he's not only running this organization; he's being your friend. I mean, it, he's what you remember the military to be. I mean, you're a brotherhood. He's your brother, and that's that's what I love about Josh. Yeah, it's easy. It's very easy to um, get on board with Josh too when it comes to helping him find venues for for you guys, and you know because I, I just I think that I don't think that the players sometimes realize how hard some of these venues are 
that that come about with being part of the VGA, especially at the finals. I mean, I was with Josh the year that we we locked down Baltstrom Plainfield. Neither of them were easy, you know. And to be able to get a huge event with over 100 people at both of them one day after the other, it's like it's impossible, you know. And to see all these guys come out and then they realize when they get there, like, wow, this place is hosted you know, at Plainfield, like they just had a PGA event a couple of years ago. I mean, I, I'm still in awe. Like I still, I have my head covers. I have everything <laughs> that I just, I don't even pull out where I have them set up when I just look at them and think, I can't believe I've played those two locations. Yeah. And if you watch golf long enough, you're going to see both of them on TV oh, again pretty man. soon. You know, they're going to host PGA championship. I mean, uh, Baltusrol just hosted a PGA championship a couple years ago. I mean, even at Plainfield, I still have members calling us and being like, I can't believe we had y'all here. I, it was so awesome to have y'all come play. We look forward the head pro. Actually, I've taken lessons with him virtually. Is that Sean? Uh, or um, no, that one's um, Scott Paris. Yeah, I'll have to think about head injury, so I'm gonna forget. I yeah, feel no so worries. bad. I'm gonna. Ease. <laughs> I could the get on my. Pro. I could get on my Skillis app and know exactly who he is, but I I'd forget about it right now. Yeah, I can't think of it. I I can't think of who it would have been. Sean is the head pro, and Scott is the director. Of golf. Yeah, it's probably Sean. Yeah. Yeah, or Joe is the no, one Sean. of the teaching pros. Yeah, Sean's the head pro. Yeah, yeah, that place is great. Um. But, but to see those guys come into venues like that, and it's like, I don't, I wonder if they even know. You know, I think sometimes they don't even know what they're walking into. Yeah. <laughs> so it's even, I, uh, yeah, when you get a chance to play Chambers, which I know you'll, you'll knock it out now here soon, uh, you'll be surprised too um, how much you're going to enjoy it compared to this too. Yeah. I mean, this place, I love this place. I could come here. I could, I mean, I'm a picture guy, you know, and there's just, there's endless pictures out there endless. on this course because it's right on the coast. It's right on the water, you know? Um, and it's tough course. It's, it's when the wind blows, it's just as hard as anything else up here, if not harder. So it could, it could host anything. Oh, host anything. I can't, when I, when I leave here on Tuesday, it's going to be memorable. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to, I, I'm going to be thinking about, I'm not going to be thinking about the shots I played. I'm going to be thinking about, man, I can't remember, I remember what this hole looked like. Uh, I mean, wow. Yeah, I mean, so if you think about it, like Baltusrol hosted a, um, you know, just hosted a PGA Championship. In my opinion, this is way harder than way harder Baltusrol. Yes. Now they they cook they cook the conditions up at Baltusrol to make it harder. But if they did that here in the wind, forget it. I mean, you could have good shots in the greens that just get rejected everywhere here. And the way this is ready, I mean, you, you could really. This one still has so much more in teeth. I mean, I would hate to see these greens cooked up, <laughs> man. In the summer, they're brutal. <laughs> and it's just like I had said. There was a few spots where I hit, and I can't remember hitting shots where I. You can just you see things just completely roll off the green, and they're not at you know a playing speed of of you know a thirteen or fourteen like with, yeah. But it will, when they are that fast imagine. in the summer, and then you have the wind coming off the water, it just gets wild. Um, it, and it's one of the few courses where every single hole, if you if there's a, there's an area to the green that you want to hit to where the pin is not to get it close to the pin, you know that you usually see that on like one or two holes, but. They could they could put pin they could have pin placements here and you could see it everywhere here. Man. 
but they could also have they could also put the pin in an area where you could just fly it right to the pin. But what fun is that? You know? I mean, <laughs> hey, I mean, somebody got a hole in one on the two hundred and fifty yeah. yard. Crazy. Oh man, I, I mean, I think it was imagine. a kid from Iona. Yeah, and they, they were. I was hearing the story. I guess the coach put it to five feet, and then you get you get the kid that just boom. Yeah, I mean, I wonder what he he probably hit a, a fairway wood too. I think that's what I heard, but more more like these these kids. Who knows? They're they're so they're so young and limber. He was probably like a six iron going two hundred fifty. I mean, it was downwind. Yeah, but who knows? <laughs> Nine iron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I feel like. So, um, where where do you see where do you see yourself going with the VGA? Um, I'm going to continue to keep trying to grow my region. Um, my goal really is to start targeting now that I'm I've been testing cities in West Texas. So now really grow El Paso the most. It's showing the most promise. Um and then look at expansions into like Lubbock, Midland Odessa. Uh and then go from there, but for me it's just continuing uh to support our other our other cities like DFW Austin's about to start growing. We just uh, got another director in there, and we have tons of promise with him. Uh, Houston is looking good, and just trying to find other other venues to put in there. Uh, I'm really excited. I think I'm going to go talk to a new course. I don't know if you've had a chance to ever look at it, but it's called Blackjack's Crossing. It's Lanny Watkinson's very first design. It no. is a jewel in West Texas. Really? And uh, I'm, I'm about to go over there and start prospecting and talking about getting that one put on the books and that'll be one to to come and play believe it or not i've never played golf in texas no you need to come that actually might be should be your first course you come look at yeah come be my guest you have you played a lot of the courses in texas i have i think i've almost knocked out every course in texas really anything that's anything that's got a great name on it i've i've had the ability to play it so there's a new one down there, the Tiger Woods design. I have not. That, that one's just outside of Houston. I can't wait. Uh, we're working on it as much as we can. We're seeing if we can find a member, find somebody. To get a VGA event there? Yeah. That would be awesome. place looks like a ton of fun. A ton of fun. It looks, um, some of the tees look like, like this, where the mm -hmm. tees are just kind of built into the fairways. I love that about this place. I do. That's just a great characteristic of, of a course. I mean, um, you don't see it really anywhere. Mm. I mean, here, uh, 17, 17, and um, 11, the they, they share, share the tee box, box, which and, is pretty cool. Um, I just like it. It's just a nice little flow, yeah. and it's perfect. Short grass everywhere. Mm -hmm. So Blue Jack, I, uh, the one in Texas, yeah, I heard Blue Jack. They, they have short grass everywhere like mm -hmm. that, too. They, they, they actually don't even have that many um, bunkers, either. I think his design originally had like very minimal bunkers. You know, there's a lot of bunkers here, but I, I, I haven't really. They, they're not fun to get out of. <laughs> nah, I, I, I was having fun playing in them today. Uh, hopefully tomorrow, I, I plan around them. But they're 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 put in great positions. Yeah. I mean, this course is designed just right. I enjoyed that about it. Um, you know, we play the tips or a combination of the tips and blues. But you can't hit driver off every tee. No, here. and that's what we, you know, a lot of us are trying that today. But it is about playing um, a mental game with this with this course. You know, you're going to have to play your distances, find the distances that you want to get, you know, play around these bunkers. You know, you got to know your game. 
So my favorite, um, the, the thing I like about golf courses the most is variety. And when I don't mind being forced to hit shots, like I know guys want, some guys want a lot of options off the tee. And you can have options and still be forced to hit certain shots. But here, what I like the, that they did, they did, there's so many fairway bunkers and trouble that maybe comes into play with your driver, but doesn't come into play at all with like a long iron or a fairway would. But then you have a longer shot in, you know, um, and it's everywhere. I mean, you could have here a fairway that's just forever wide, but with the right bunker placement, it all of a sudden gets really tight with a driver. But it's still super wide with a four four iron or five wood, um, and then and then you have the choice, right? Like you either have to take on that bunker in the fairway or give yourself a longer shot in. But the greens and the green surrounds are so big here that a long longer shot in, it's not impossible. It's a difficult shot, but it's not. It's fair, you know. Um, where in a more classical course, you would be playing in towards rough. And it's just not possible to have that, you know? So the design here is, is it's, it's one of the best. Yeah. And that's, I enjoy that. Um, that was fun. Um, I know tonight I'm going to, I'm definitely be mapping out a different strategy. Um, and you're right. I mean, that's why we have 14 clubs in the bag. I mean, I'll definitely be texting what Texas wedging a lot around these greens. They're, they're tight. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. It looks, it, it definitely smarter plays. Um, but I mean, I, I love that about this. I mean, it is it is a course that brings in so much. You know what I noticed today? A lot of, like, if I got up to the green before everybody else, a lot of their, all your shots were spinning. And it's because the fairways are so tight here, too. So tight. It was so nice to see balls <laughs> yeah. react the way they did. I was like, oh, I haven't done that in years. <laughs> but it, that also helps then when you're playing with the slopes along the greens, you know. But I, I so many shots that you guys hit in um, – I was looking at and I was like, oh, wow, you know, to take two bounces and, and then spin, play off the hill, and then maybe roll towards the hole or maybe roll far away from the hole. <laughs> yeah, so definitely um, it will play into looking at our um, greens books and seeing tomorrow uh, where the pins are at and really playing to, the, to, to certain locations of where it's at. So um, are you, you're sta- are you you're staying here, right? Yeah. So the accommodations here are pretty nice. Oh, those cottages are great. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some of the other places like next door, they do have some, they do have some rooms um, in the clubhouse, but the accommodations here are second to none. Four bedroom cottage, uh, common areas just to kind of relax. And as uh, you know, for us to be a team to kind of relax, all of us can strategize and, and, uh, you know, go over little game plans, share secrets, or you know, just just come up with ideas. It's that's that's a nice little thing to do. But if you were here with friends or other, you know, depending on what what brought you into the area, I mean, that those cottages are something else. Yeah, I mean, there's stories of people staying in them a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and can you blame them? You know, not at all. <laughs> I can't blame them at all. Uh, cozy. Uh, private and uh, great views. Yeah. So I mean, chalk it up as another experience that the the VGA has 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 brought to you guys. Um, I just think uh, 
I, I think it's great to see, you know, coming up here to this place and coming to the, to, to getting to come to places like this through the VGA. I just, I, I don't see it through other organizations. I don't either. And you know, another good thing about the experience that we're going to have from this is going to be playing with these collegiate athletes. Um, you know, getting to be a, a role model to them too. I know they're going to probably be asking us questions about our military experience. Um, also, we're going to get to just see some good golf played from them. Um, it's crazy to see how young they are. I know. Like I saw, I think it was the Army team. Army team. They look like children out like there. Little tiny babies. But <laughs> uh, we were at that age at one point in time. I mean, we were, I mean, for me, I was in Iraq at that age. Well, no, I was playing golf at that age, but I wasn't. I wasn't playing at, at any place like this. <laughs> I was. I was treating patients at that age, but I mean, it's awesome. I mean, really, I'm gonna look forward to walking alongside or uh, in my cart uh, alongside <laughs> these guys uh, and getting to see some good golf played by them. And I wouldn't be able to do this if I wasn't in the VGA, and that's gonna be an absolute great experience and i hope i can be a good role model um and throw in some good shots and birdies on them yeah yeah i mean that's what it's all about right and that's why this place hosts that host 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 you guys because they want um it, it's just great to see you know the navy the army uh who else is here bucknell iona because i know the kid that made the hole in one was from iona um the owner here went to bucknell he's a big bucknell oh awesome guy. okay hampton yeah um there's probably some other ones, but I get to, I get to blame my head injury. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, man, we're running up on time, but thanks for doing this. And um, I'm sure I'm going to see you. Did did they announce the finals next year yet or no? Uh, not just yet. I think he's still keeping that hush hush, but so close. It's gonna be somewhere good. You but know, you'll you'll yeah. Of course, it's gonna be somewhere good. It's you know, it's gonna good. be somewhere good. We're gonna we're gonna be. Uh, we're going to enjoy it, but good thing for everybody. We still got good state state venues coming up, uh, regional venues coming up, and uh, it's going to be a good competitive season coming up. And uh, and you'll be smashing them all. I want to be smashing them and bringing it. And uh, from what I hear, uh, there's some there's some wounded vet guys that are trying to move up to wounded vet a to come to come bring it on so i'm looking forward to it <laughs> i'm welcoming the competition is the best way to put it so we'll see you at uh nationals next year i'm hoping for it i'll be i'll be playing my butt off to get there and i'll definitely follow you around with your wife again heck yeah buddy <laughs> all right thanks brother thank you sir yeah that was good yeah that was fun <laughs>